welcome to this podcast for St. Peter's Church Greenhill, as we seek to become loving, witnessing and growing people. Let's pray. Father, we take uh, those words of Jesus and rejoice now that you have written our names in heaven. We pray that that prospect may guide us in every aspect of our lives. And we ask now, you help us to listen afresh to Jesus in his word today. We ask it in his name. Amen. Luke chapter 10 uh, is a very uh, familiar passage to me. Um, It was the model of ministry um, in the last job that I had. I worked for an organization called Through Faith Missions, who did evangelistic work, mostly in the UK, a little bit in East Africa and one or two other places. And the model was very much like this, of going out, sent by Jesus, in faith and trusting God's provision. So as part of that, in 1991, uh, the person who was leading at that time um, started something called the Walk of a Thousand Men. Sorry for the uh, gender-specific nature of the event, but his, his point was that his experience was that women were better at sharing their faith and praying for their friends, and he needed to get blokes to actually step up and do something. So his vision was to send a thousand men in teams down the Pennine Way going off into all the communities to share the gospel. Uh, And I was a a supporter of that work at that time, wasn't working with them then, but I thought, that sounds fun. So I signed up and uh, I was already a curate, so I was given a team to lead uh, and um, we had a program sent to us and two of the days had OF written on them. And uh, it was because it was the first one. It was very much like lots of these things, make it up as you go along. And we got to a conference. They said, ah, yes, that means open fields. And we said, well, what does that mean? And they said, well, it means we haven't actually got a church for you to go yet to yet. And there's no food and there's no program. But it's all about going out and trusting God, isn't it? And you think, oh, okay. So that sounds fun, a bit different to curacy. Not sure that'd be allowed in curacy. Um, But anyway, that was the model. And I've preached on this passage many times, and I discovered, looking back through my sermons, that I preached on it here the last time I came in 2018. I thought, oh, great. Because I thought, well, that's a problem, because they'll remember what I've said as if. So I'm not going to go through the passage in detail today. I'm going to make some comments on it, um, but take a slightly different approach. I'm going to preach for a bit less time. Well, there's a famous last words, I know. Um, And then try and include at the end a bit of space for questions about evangelism. So be thinking about that as we go through the passage, or if you're thinking generally about evangelism. A lot of Christians struggle with this. Uh, And as I've already sort of said, it's something I've done for years. So if you think, oh, oh, we could ask this bloke a question, which you don't often get a chance to do in church, please be ready for that at the end. But Luke Luke 10, verse 2, Jesus called his disciples to pray. He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Notice Jesus didn't say, pray for laborers. He said to pray to the Lord to send out the laborers. In other words, God's already got the laborers, but the problem is that too few of them are out in the harvest field. 
So, do you long to see answered prayer? I guess in their case, the answer to this prayer was instant, because he said in verse 3, go, I'm sending you. They were to be the answer to the prayer that Jesus had given them to send out laborers. Send me. And of course, it's easy to say we believe in something, isn't it? But what happens when we're encouraged to be the ones to step forward and do it? Uh, there was a famous, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call him really, escapologist, whatever, Charles Blondin, who used to walk tight ropes. This is probably ooh, early, 19, uh, yeah, early 1900s. Uh, and at one point, he, he walked across Niagara Falls on a tightrope on his own. And then he did it with a wheelbarrow. And then he did it with a wheelbarrow with a heavy weight in it. I think it was something like a sack of potatoes. And people would start there going, oh, it's brilliant, fantastic. He says, who believes I could do it with a man in the wheelbarrow? And they all go, yes, yes, we believe. Particularly one man, absolutely convinced. So he said, sir... He said, step forward. And the man, you couldn't see him for dust. It's much easier to say you believe in something, isn't it, until the chips are down. And it's a strange example to use in a way, but what struck me is in our diocesan vision prayer, we pray daily. I don't know how many of you are part of the prayer community, but we pray for these things. Renew us. We love to be renewed, wouldn't we? Oh, Lord, renew me. As we make your love known, is the second half of that. Are we doing that second bit? Are we sharing the love of Jesus? Uh, Secondly, we pray, release us to share freely together in mission. Do we really want to be able to do that? But that's what we pray if we're part of the prayer community. And actually, the other thing about being part of the prayer community is to pray for the Diocese of Sheffield to flourish and grow. And it says that our vision is for the roughly 1.25% of the population that come to our churches. And I have to say that will be fewer now, post-COVID. We've gone backwards in lots of places. It's it's just the way it is. We're praying for that to become 2.5%. And if we're praying that, then there's no getting away from the fact that that means new Christians joining the church. It doesn't mean some Christians from one church suddenly thinking, oh, let's go to the other church because it's more exciting. That doesn't make any difference, does it? That's just rearranging the deck chairs. We're wanting to see new people come in and follow Jesus. And this reading in Luke chapter 10, I think, contains a very simple secret that we're in danger of losing which is that prayer and evangelism go together. They are a bit like walking. First you move your left foot, and then you move your right, and so on. Pray, evangelize. Pray, evangelize. If you just use your left foot to walk, you just end up going round and round in a circle, don't you? Or the same with your right If we just pray, and I realized when I wrote that down, I thought it almost sounds heretical, doesn't it? So if we just pray, nothing will happen. But if we just pray and we don't ever share the gospel with people, then people won't come to faith. But just as much so, if all we do is go out and we're sharing the gospel as enthusiastically as we can, but we're doing it in our own strength without the support of prayer, it's no better either. We need both of those things together. 
I used to have an African Christian in my home group when I lived in Cambridge, and he said in, in his country they had a, a saying which was, you should pray as though nothing you do could ever matter. In other words, you should put everything into prayer, but then he said, and then you should act as though you haven't prayed. So in other words, you should put everything into what you do, and it's the same principle, really. But in this reading, the thing that intrigues me is when we talk about prayer and evangelism, we talk about the growth of the church, we then come to who is it who's going to do this? And this is, I love this reading because it's the 70 or the 72 others. The 70 others in the version we had, they are not named. They are not Jesus. They're not the big 12 they're just others. In other words, they're people like you, ordinary followers of Jesus. Lord, send them out is the prayer, isn't it? Send out the laborers, and then we pause for a moment and we say, Lord, make me willing to be one of the them. And then as I draw to a close, before we come to the question bit, you might ask, how do I do this? How do I go and share the gospel? Um, and you might say, I'm a bit afraid to do it. A lot of Christians who I think don't evangelize because they think, oh, I can't do that, oh dear, whatever. So I'm going to finish with a few mainly encouraging words from this passage. I say mainly because I'll start with the difficult one first of all. Let's get the fear bit out of the way first, shall we? Jesus says, I am sending you, think about this image for a moment, like lambs among wolves. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's such a lovely, comforting image. Lambs among, lambs among what? Lambs among wolves. In other words, Jesus never said it would be easy. I think that's an important thing, just to, let's just acknowledge it and get it out the way at the beginning. It won't necessarily feel comfortable all the time. And that's therefore okay. Um, but the rest of it is much more encouraging. Firstly, Jesus says he is the Lord of the harvest. And he says the harvest is plentiful. One of the reasons that we decline as churches isn't what we do, it's what we don't do. If you have an apple tree and you don't pick the apples, what will happen? They'll fall off and they'll rot. It doesn't mean to say there wasn't a harvest, it just means you didn't do anything about it. And Jesus says there's a harvest out there, folks, and we need to be out there to bring it in. Secondly, Jesus talks about looking for the person of peace. And uh, the lambs amongst wolves perhaps influences this, but I think a lot of church people think um, that there aren't any people outside of church who are at all interested in what we're about or in the gospel, who think that they're all really against us. And sometimes when you look at the media and everything else, yes, there's plenty of aggro, isn't there? But there are lots and lots of people out there who Jesus would describe as people of peace, people who are willing to receive something. And I say that from, from these 20-odd years of doing evangelism around the UK. I'll give an example from that first mission. Uh, our open fields turned out to be in a place called Ashton-under-Lyne, part of Manchester, if you know it. 
Um, not the most salubrious of places, but, you know, it was all right. And a, a brilliant Pentecostal church put us all up, and, uh, but we had no food. Um, they occasionally found some, which was great. And then we went down to the market and were, were preaching and testifying in the market. And the guy who was leading it, I preached, I think about five people came to faith, lots of us giving testimonies. And a little bit later, a man came up to him and, and knocked him on the arm and said, the Lord has spoken to me. And, and he said, I have to admit, he said, my first thought was, oh dear, you know, what, what have we got here? Uh, but actually, the man then held up two bags. He said, I've got 40 lots of mushy peas and chips for your, for your guys. And he went, oh, the Lord has spoken to you. But this is a guy who came out of nowhere, um, who had that day heard the gospel message and thought, what can I do by way of response to help these people? And I could tell you loads of those sorts of stories. There are people of peace. So just to, to recap, when it comes to evangelism, pray, first of all. There may be people that you've been praying for for a long time. Don't give up. Keep praying for them. But then be ready to be sent out um, and do whatever you can when you get there. As I said, I will try. I'm going to stop now. But if there's one or two questions or whatever, I'd be very happy to take them. Anyone got a question? Yes. Sorry? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's always a dangerous thing to agree to. The rest of them are all going, no, no. Right, so I might, I might need to ask you some questions That's later. Right, yeah. um, this, this reading and this sermon has just really spoke to me, and I'm going to say it now because I'll just forget because my brain's all over the place. But I have been praying for a while now about doing something, something little because we all want to go out and, and, and get the whole world to come into church, but we can't always do that. So sometimes we just need to do something little. So I've been praying for a while, and I know Michelle's been praying with me and some other people that we're on one of them committees. I don't know which committee I'm on, but we're on one of them. And we all said, yeah, that I should go ahead and do this. So next, I think it's going to be next Saturday, um, around about from three till half four, I've been talking to my neighbours and saying, do you want to come and have a cup of tea? Do you want to come and have a cup of coffee? Do you want to come and meet your other neighbours? Do you want to come and do these things? So my open field is just going to be my front of my house, which is on Reaney Avenue. Um, there'll be some biscuits and there'll be some tea, and I'm inviting neighbours to help to build relationships and to show God's generous love and to show that God's light is here on Reaney Avenue and the kingdom is here and God's kingdom is here and we just want to share it with people and that there will be people of peace that will come because we've prayed about it and even if it's just one person of peace and that, that person of peace goes and shares something of God's generosity, something of God's love, something of God's light with somebody else of their neighbours down the road. And I do feel like a bit like a lamb to the slaughter because there's some dodgy people that live along here, but hey-ho. Um, if anybody wants to come and help shine the light of Jesus and be supportive to me being a lamb 
going out in wolves, or maybe I'm a wolf, who knows. Anyway, um, speak to me afterwards and might get some advice from, from John on, on how this might work a little bit better. But, um, but it would be nice, and Violet will be there because I'm going to make her come out in a chair so she can have some prayers and stuff. So if anyone wants to come, then, then speak to me. It's literally across the road, and it's, you know, it's no big deal. It's just me on my front bit, okay, waving at the bus as it goes past. All right? So, yeah, anyway, thank you. That's brilliant. That's a really good example of just... Start and simply, and, and one of the things which doesn't come out in Luke 10 but does come out in other parts of the, of the New Testament about sharing the faith is about the building relationships, and that's very clearly in there, so that's a really good, really good example. And anyone else? There you go, you never know what you're going to get, do you? Yeah. Thank you very much. Did, did everyone pick that up? So it's basically inviting people in just before Christmas and surprised, surprised at the, uh, not this year, before COVID this was, um, but uh, surprised at a positive result and a WhatsApp group in the cul-de-sac and all sorts. So brilliant. That's really lovely. Anyone else? Oh, we'll move on. Yeah, go on one more. Last one. So just in case people didn't hear the question, if you're talking to someone and you think off the cuff, shall I talk to them about something about Christian faith? I haven't sort of, you know, prepared for this in prayer. Is it all right to do it? Basic answer is yes. It's always all right to do it. Um, I think it's, when I talk about prayer and evangelism, I think what I'm thinking about more is um, that we should always be praying and looking for opportunities. And I, I sense that from what, as it Sarah said when she came, she's been thinking, how can I reach these people? Probably been praying about, how can I reach these people? And now she's thinking, I know what I could do. So now she's acting. So that's one example. But I think you, you meet people all the time. And when we used to do these mission events, obviously you don't know people from Adam when you encounter them, but you don't know who else has been praying for them. So you just go in faith. And I think particularly if you're in a conversation and you sense God saying X or Y, just try it. I think the, the thing with that sometimes is to, it's a bit like when you're praying for healing for people, is to be um, sensitive in how you do it. So I, I, I was actually a recipient of this recently, went to a church and this person said to me, he said, this might mean nothing. He said, but does such and such, does that, does that resonate with you? Something I just felt God might want me to say. And I, it didn't actually, but never mind. Um, but I thought, but I appreciated the way he'd done it. And actually, if it had been something in my life, and he was somebody who didn't know me at all, I would have been really struck by that, wouldn't I? So you're, if you're talking to a non-Christian person and you say, have you thought about this? And they think, how do they know about that? 
you know, they would be, they would be amazed and, and maybe think perhaps there's more to this God thing than I, than I realize. So yeah, if you, if you have a prompting in a conversation, always feel free to do it. It won't, as I said, with lambs amongst wolves, it won't always go smoothly. Sometimes people will have a go at you. Soon after I became a Christian, I wrote a letter to a friend of mine at university. I'd just left uni. And uh, I got a letter back from him, and I still remember the comment that he wrote in it. He said, oh, I thought you'd be trying to get a few notches on your crucifix now. Um, In other words, he felt like he'd been hunted, but I didn't write it like that. It was quite a gentle letter, but I thought, oh, ouch. Now, we're still friends, so obviously didn't really annoy him, and maybe he was just being provocative. But, um, But it's, you know, sometimes it won't go smoothly, but just go for it. We better move on, otherwise uh, a short sermon will uh, become in danger of being a long sermon slot.